because I know that it's so easy for us to get lost within the framework of our, our ministry. It's so easy for us to get caught up in our ministry vision. It's so easy for us to get caught up in all of the, the you know, the stuff we've written down on our 10 year goals. And, and we start pursuing a lot of things for God's sake. And then many of us, I believe, forget to pursue God for who he is. So as you're as you're winding up this year, I want you to just let that question sink in the room for a moment. Are you pursuing God? You know, um, next week, uh, matter of fact, most of our church won't notice tomorrow until tomorrow. But next week, we're going on a seven day fast, <laughs> five day fast, something like that. Five days. They got to count it down. We're going on a five day fast. Right. Liquid only. Right. But and one of the reasons that I, I, I like, you know, this time of fasting is because we can get so encumbered. Come on, somebody. Emotionally and, and spiritually, we can become encumbered like Martha with so many things we're doing for the Lord that we forgot to actually seek the Lord. And so one of the reasons that we're doing this fast is because I'm reminding me and reminding us that it doesn't matter what we've done. Doesn't matter what we plan on doing. Doesn't matter how much progress we've made throughout the year. We still have to put seeking God first. Amen. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to think about is, number one, make an evaluation of what you are pursuing. I mean, really think about what you are pursuing. And then when you think about what you are pursuing, take a moment and ask yourself, why am I pursuing it? Why am I pursuing it? And then ultimately, what will it mean when I finally get it? Because, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a connoisseur of outcomes. <laughs> Anybody else a connoisseur of outcomes? I sort of like um, looking at the end of a thing and then backing up and seeing the beginning is worth it. And I tell you, there's a whole lot of stuff that's noble. But at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, was it really worth it? Was it really worth it? In Acts chapter 18, verses 18 through 20, when Simon saw that the spirit was given by the landowner of hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Ghost. And Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you should buy the gift of God with money. And, and the reason I brought that particular scripture up is because there are a lot of us that have a lot of an ambitions and endeavors, but we really have to ask ourselves, do I want the right thing for the right reasons? Right. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah. The only thing worse than doing the wrong thing is doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. So we got to make sure that our ministry means to God what it means to us. Yeah. How many know God didn't call you to ministry for your self-esteem purposes? Right. Hello, somebody. How many of God did not call you in the ministry to compete with other people? So we got to make sure that what we do means to us what it means to God so that we can make sure that God is being glorified in all that we are endeavoring to do. Amen. So number one, as we think about pursuit and and what we're going to focus on in this upcoming year, I want to plant this term that we hear all the time. Kingdom. Kingdom. Are your interests derived from something you've seen in God or admired from churchianity? Are your interests really derived from something you've seen in God? Somebody shout, God pays for prophecy. We pay for presumption. And I believe there's a, that's, that's why, that's the key to why God won't fund some of the stuff that folk doing. 
Now here's why. Because we're assuming upon what we should do based on what we see others doing. Somebody shout kingdom. kingdom. Which means we've got to be mindful of the king's interests. Yes. We got to be make, make sure that we're in alignment with what's in the heart of the king. Yes. Amen? Amen. Now here's the second word that I, I, I want to press home tonight. Stress. <laughs> God's will being done God's way does not inflict stress upon you. That's right. I'm going to say that again. God's will being done God's way does not inflict stress upon you. Amen? Amen. So if you have stress in ministry, I, I got one question for you. What have you done? Because what I've discovered is that there's no reason why I should be stressed out over something I should be anointed for. Anybody realize when it's the anointing that's not you? So this is a very good time. If you got stress in ministry, this is a very good time to reevaluate your methods. Oh, come on, somebody. To reevaluate your focuses, to reevaluate your priorities, to reevaluate how you're doing. Say, how I do what I'm doing matters as much as what I'm doing. Here's another word for you. Competition. Is any of what you're doing derived from keeping up or keeping current? Amen? We're not interested. Somebody shout, we're not interested in keeping up. We are interested in keeping current. What do you mean by that? We have to be in step with God's will for our lives. We have to build according to the pattern that God has shown to us. You know, as I look over this room and, and I see churches and I see parachurch organizations, right? No two organizations here are exactly alike. And you know what I, I would say? If two of them were, somebody's unnecessary. Now, why? Because we are, somebody shout, we're designers originals. And here's something else. Because we are planted in different regions, that means the needs of people are going to be different. Somebody shout, it's not better or worse, it's just different. Tell somebody, don't you dare compete with anybody. Now, why? Because you are a designer's original. You've been fabricated by God to do something in your region that has never been done before. Tell somebody, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Come on, tell somebody, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Heaven does not have a Xerox machine. Hey, there is no copy center in heaven. Come on, tell somebody, you're one of a kind. And it's imperative that you never, never, ever compete with anyone else. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Here's the next thing the Lord put in my heart, to a word to, to plant in your spirit. Somebody shout, drag. drag. Now, this has a lot to do with internal operations within your work. Do you have the right people in the right places to achieve your desired incomes? Yes. You know why I, I feel led to ask that question tonight? Because this is something fell on my heart preparing for you tonight. There are some of us that are falsely obligated to something that doesn't work. Oh my God. Tell somebody it's time to change some things. Time to change some things. Because some of us, your structure is creating drag. And when you're trying to lift off, you don't need drag. You need drag to slow down. You don't need drag to lift off. And so right now, tell somebody it's time to reevaluate your structure. There are times when you got the right people in the wrong, you got the right people in the wrong place. And we feel falsely obligated to people because maybe they're the ones started something, but that don't mean they need to stay there. Tell somebody it's time to move some players around. Come on, tell somebody it's time to move some players. It's time to shift some things around. 
so we can get rid of the drag and move into another season of, of effortless and sweatless advancement of the kingdom of God. Amen? Here's another word. Reset. Say reset. Now, this is a $99 question last quarter of the year. This is a $99 question every leader on the side of my voice should be asking of yourself and your organization. Knowing what you know now, what will you now begin to do differently? Oh, my God. Knowing, say it with me, knowing what I know now. Knowing what I know now. What should I now do differently? What should I now Come on, say it again. Knowing what I know now. What should I now do differently? You know, I always say it like this. The best time to change things is when things are changing. Yes. So we come into the close of a year. We come, we're in the last quarter of 2023. Amen. Uh, this week is November. Yes. Think about that. This week is November. We're about to wrap it up, right? Yes. Knowing what you know now, what should you now begin to do differently? Look, somebody tell me, you don't have to phase your way out of stupid stuff. Just quit. Cold turkey. Stop now. Hello, somebody. Some of y'all trying to phase stuff out that not hurt nobody's feelings. Tell somebody, quit it. Amen. If you're going to leave me, I feel obligated to help you. I, I do. I don't want nobody with me don't want to be with me. You're going to leave me, I feel obligated to help you. Amen. You know, anybody under my leadership will tell you, when I know somebody's on the way out, I'm like, let's go ahead and do this. Because y'all know if you keep somebody too long, they start making up stuff. <laughs> Hello, somebody. They start making up stuff. They start making mountains out of molehills. Come on, somebody. So knowing what I know now, what should I now do differently? That's the question I believe every one of us. Hey, does anybody do that? Do, we, do you look at, you know, I get an example. One of the ways that I keep fresh in ministry. I don't burn out in ministry, tire out, wear out. I love what I do, right? But every season of my ministry, I look at all that I'm doing, and literally, this is my question. What am I now not going to do anymore? Yeah. Oh, hello, somebody. Ain't that right? Yeah. I look at my schedule. I look at my life. I look at my ministry. I say, what am, now, what am I now not going to do anymore? Hello, this might become somebody else's responsibility. Listen to me. There are some things that when, if, if it say if it's worth being done, Come on, say if it's worth being done, it's worth being done even if I don't do it anymore. Now, you know what? There's some stuff that when you quit, nobody needs to do that foolishness again. <laughs> Somebody shout, it's over. Y'all got that? So one of the ways that I've found to keep current and fresh and liking ministry is that I just keep, I keep looking at my life and going, all right, what am I really tired of? Hello? And there's some stuff that the grace was there for in another season. Yeah. But if you be truthful, the grace is gone. And that's why you can do it, but you don't even want to do it no more. Oh, come on, somebody. How do you know it's time to shift something? Somebody shout, the grace has lifted. Somebody shout, I've trained my replacement. That's how you know it's time to move is that there's somebody could easily do this and more than likely better than you. Oh, my God. That brings me to another point. That brings me to another point. Uh, uh, you got to be secure as a leader, knowing there are people around you that can do it much better than you. Y'all hear what I just said? Tell somebody, there's some people in your ministry better than you and something. Your, hello. Your job is to find them and replace yourself. 
Last time I checked, you can't be fired. <laughs> Tell somebody you ain't got nothing to lose but your incompetence. That's all you got to lose is, is the lag. You know, you got to be really truthful to go, you know what, true story. I've looked at parts of my ministry and I looked at them and they were not doing well and I, I traced it all the way to me. And you know what I found out? It's time somebody started trying to replace myself. Why? Because I'm handling this area with my feelings. Somebody else is just going to use the system. Y'all better, y'all better. better hear what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody shout a system. So it's time to reset some things. Knowing what I know now, what will I now begin to do differently? Now here's another question I'm going to ask, particularly for church leaders, and it's about generations. Are you building for ovation or generations? Come on, somebody. Is it about people stepping back and looking at what we're building? Going, look at Mark Jones. Or is it about the fact that he's the God of Abraham? I, oh, my God. Isaac. And tell somebody, whatever you do, do it for generations. I've heard it said, and I believe that it's true, that if your vision really came from God, it's too big to be completed in your lifetime. Come on, somebody. There's some stuff God gave to you that's actually supposed to be done through you. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your the general. Oh, come on. Somebody shot legacy. Successors. Y'all got that? So are you building for ovation or are you building for generations? Here's the next key. Fulfillment. Does your current ministry paradigm meet the fulfillment test? Oh, my God. Does your current ministry paradigm meet the fulfillment test? Glad you asked. What is the fulfillment test? When you lay your head on the bed at night, after all that you have done, do you feel fulfilled that you have done it or burdened that you got to do it again tomorrow? Oh, my God. Jesus. Jesus. Come on. This is good, sir. When you lay your head, nobody know your situation better than you. When you lay your head on that pillow at night after having done all that you do for them people, do you feel fulfilled that you have done it? Or do you feel burdened that you got to do it again tomorrow? Now why? Because if your present ministry paradigm does not meet the, fulfill, does not meet the fulfillment test, you got to change something. You got to change something. You know, I, 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 I often see these posts about uh, and some of our friends post them and share them and share them about how many pastors are quitting, quitting ministry each year and about how many pastors are depressed and about how many pastors feel unappreciated, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, man, it sucks to be y'all. <laughs> now, you know why? Because if I was not completely 100% fulfilled in what I'm doing, I would quit today. Hello. Or I would quit doing what I'm doing the way I'm doing it. Sometimes it's not the calling, it's the structure. Y'all did not hear what I just said. Some of you, your structure is the same as when you started your ministry. And there's no way that you can be five and ten years into something got the same structure from when you started. Tell somebody something has to change. Your structure from where you were. And that's why it's stressing you out where you are. Y'all hear what I just said. Your structure for where you were. And it's stressing you out where you are. Somebody shout, something has to change. Has to change. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, you know how I liken it to? It's like raising kids, right? So you remember when you first have a baby, 
in the, the baby's in the womb and the mother goes through all this carefulness and, you know, the prenatal, right? Then they're born and now you got to be very attentive to them and so on and so forth. And then they start to get a little bit older and they start walking, right? And then they adolescent and then teen years. By the time they get 12 years old, they don't even like you no more, right? <laughs> but uh, little by little, little by little, you're making yourself unneeded. Think about what I just said. Yes. And if you're a, a good, solid parent, right, you want your kids to grow to where they can take care of themselves and not be a menace to society. You, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm really glad you no longer need me because now you're mature enough to go out and build your own thing and manage your family and so on and so forth. That's exactly what should be happening in your ministry. Amen. 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 Oh, God. If you are shifting properly, you should become more and more unneeded. Yes. Oh, God. Hallelujah. You should not be as needed in a 20-year ministry as you were in a two-year ministry. Amen. Somebody shout ego. ego. Needs to be needed. Oh, come on. Somebody shout ego. ego. Needs to be needed. You train just enough to make sure they have to call you. And we got to get out of that. Why? It's killing you. Your structure can impair you. So you got to make sure that you keep evolving in your structure. Amen. You understand that? Yes. You know, and, and this takes mindfulness. You really got to think about what you're doing. Because you know the problem with many of us in the pastoral ministry? We don't think about what we're doing until we're in the hospital. Lying quietly, thinking about what we've been doing. Yeah. How did I get here? How did I get here? Yeah. And then we, we're in a paradox because how is it God can love me and let me be yeah. here? Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah. Now we're going to fight God. And God's been trying to tell you to change this. Y'all yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got that? So ask yourself, does my current ministry paradigm meet the fulfillment test? Here's number eight, pressure. Are you under any pressure to perform or to grow your organization? Are you under any pressure to perform or to grow your organization? Right? Tell somebody you shouldn't be because you're not a performer. Hello, somebody. You are called by God. Hello, somebody. Somebody shout, I got the goods. Yeah. You know, I, I often have young ministers, they ask me, you know, do you get nervous before you get ready to minister? I'm like, I did when I thought preaching was about me. Right. Somebody shout, I got the goods. It's about the person on the other end of my, my, my ministry. Yes. Somebody shout, God's going to give me what they need. Yes. Come on, somebody shout, God is going to give me what they need. God will always give me what they need. It's his responsibility to feed them people through me. Hello, somebody. Tell somebody, you come up with something, it's coming down. Come down hard enough, you're going down with it. So that's why we wait for the revelation. You should not feel under any pressure to perform. You know, when I talked to a pastor this past week, right, and they're like, oh, grow my church. I'm like, would you quit? It is not your job to grow the church. If I be lifted up, I will draw all yes. men unto me. Yes. Your job is to develop the found. Yes. Hello, somebody. Pour, your, pour your, your assignment, pour out everything you can into the life of the one that is sitting in front of you. That's right. I don't care how many people come to church. Yeah. I don't care how many people join the church. I care about the quality of the lives that are underneath my leadership. Yeah. Are you being transformed through my leadership? Yeah. That's all I'm concerned about. Now, you know what I found out? Look at somebody tell them, the greatest advertisement for a church is not a billboard. Not a billboard. Yeah. 
It's a transformed life. Isn't that right? The greatest advertisement for a church is a soul that's been transformed. Y'all got that? You'll find if we focus on what really matters to God, we won't have a, a, a people problem. We have a seats problem. We need more seats for butts. Y'all got that? So if you're under any pressure to perform or, or to grow the organization, shake it off. Number nine, purpose. This is another telltale question of where you are and if you are where you should be. If you had $100 million, what are you what are you doing? What you what are you now doing that would that you would cease to do immediately if you had a hundred million dollars? Somebody you're like pastor in this church. I'm gonna ask that again. If you had a hundred million dollars, what are you doing now that you would immediately cease doing if you had a hundred million dollars? Now that's 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 rhetorical, y'all know that right. But you're thinking, aren't you? Okay, now, whatever just came to mind, what you would cease doing immediately if you had $100 million, right? You need to find a way to quit. Find a way to quit. Find a way. You, you probably, whatever you thought of, I, need, I would quit immediately if I had $100 million, right? You probably should be phasing yourself out of right now. Why? Because it doesn't pass the fulfillment test. Okay, it doesn't pass the fulfillment test. You know, I, I, I met with a pastor a while back, and sadly, I met with a pastor a while back, some time ago, right? And I would go and minister for this particular person, and I told my wife this, this very thing. I said to my wife, I said, you know, so-and-so, they're not a pastor. She said, what? I said, he's not a pastor. She said, well, why do why you still go to church, <laughs> right? And I told my wife, this was an honest conversation that this particular person, I'm going to leave them nameless, said. This is what they said. Where else am I going to make six figures? Wow. Now, you think they're still pastor? No, they're not. They're not. It was not sustainable. Now, why? Because money is never enough to compensate for knowing you're not in your purpose. Somebody shout, purpose matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money you make if you're not operating in your purpose. You understand that? Ultimately, the end of the day, we want to glorify God. Isn't that right? We want to know that what we're doing is glorifying God. You can't glorify God by accident. You understand that? So I really want you to think about that. Because I think about that. You know, if if money were not, well, it's not. But if money were not an issue at all. Right? Would I be doing anything different? I can honestly say no. Because I'm doing what I've been designed to do. Yeah. And more importantly, thanks to, thanks to the kind of help that I have, uh, in the Nortons and the Guesses and the Rosses and so many other people, right? I'm free to do it in a way it don't kill me. That's right. Oh, come on, somebody. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up for a moment to my wife. I remember when we started our church. 20 people in the back of the restaurant, we were doing our organizational meeting at TS Tex-Mex, right? Uh, and, and I remember telling uh, everybody when we were back there, I was, you're going to be this, and you're going to be this, and I'm assigning you to this. And I pointed at my wife, and I said to them, I said to all of them in front of her, I said, y'all see that lady? I said, I had her, for I had all of y'all. Mm-hmm. And if all of you leave me, I plan on leaving with her. I know that's right. 
I said, and she is not going to be the butler, the baker, and the candlestick maker. Come on. She ain't going to leave no praise team and count no money. You don't want that. Neither one of them. Be grace for that. Be grace for that. But now why? Why? She ain't y'all first lady. She's my first lady. She's my. Her job, her job is me. Her job is me. That's what she does. What's she gonna do? Me. She gonna do me. Y'all got that? So I told her because I didn't want her under that first lady pressure. I said to her, you will only do what you tell me God told you to do. Come on, somebody. And I think that's how, what was our minute, women's ministry started first, wasn't it? Which one was it? Michelle was virtuous women, and she batoned it over the So you, Michelle, the women's ministry came, and then after that came the, uh, was it Gnosis? Ladies, and then Gnosis. The point is, whatever she has done in ministry, is what she told me, why? God told her to do. Why? Somebody says, it's got to be by conviction, not by coercion. What do you mean by that? You're supposed to do this because you're the first lady. That is how you bury first ladies. That's how you bury them. That's how you bury them. Is you put them under the expectations of people. You understand that? True story. My, 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 tonight. My wife was tired because she had, we had the baby all weekend, right? My kids are out of town, so we got the baby, the grandbaby, right? She was like, I'm tired. I don't know if I want to go. You know what I said to her? Stay home. I don't care what you think about my wife not being here. Sir, I'm not a performer. I ain't going to measure up to nobody's expectations of what we supposed to look like. Listen to tell them performing take too much energy. Listen to tell preachers take too much energy. Tell somebody be yourself. Be yourself. Sure. My wife said, I don't feel like going to church. Stay home. Stay home. Rest up. Rest up. Girl, get your rest. I'll be back. I'll be back. Terminate, right? I'll be back. Now, what? now here's the point I'm making, right? We don't want to go putting all these expectations, all these weights, all these burdens. You know what I'm telling you? And by the time they finish being everything people expect them to be, they don't know who they are. All right, let's move on. Nonetheless, sacrifice. I know I've asked you all this before, but it bears repeating. Do you know the difference between sacrifice and neglect? Do you as a leader, do you know the difference between sacrifice? You know, two people can be doing the same exact thing. And for one of them, it's sacrifice. And for the other one, it's neglect. What makes the difference? Oh, y'all going to make me retire, FBC. I have taught this in our workshops. Somebody shot the condition of the one. Doing the work. What makes it a sacrifice for one and neglect for another is simply the condition in which they're doing it. Why? Because if you've been neglecting your spiritual life, your emotional well-being, your physical health, run around, do all this stuff for other people, that's neglect. But you shall love your neighbor as means like. 
Oh my God. Which means that how can you go be wonderful to everybody else and you haven't been wonderful for you? Yeah. So uh, the difference between uh, uh, these two people is the condition of the one doing the stuff. So I'm going to this question as I close. As you're working to build your ministry and your organization and advance the kingdom and expand God's work, is there anything going neglected in your life while you do all of this? And more importantly, do you honestly think that God is honored by you neglecting you? No. See that? Now why am I asking these kind of questions? I'm asking them because I'm probably the only one in your life that can't ask. Come on, come on. Take a look at what you're doing, and more importantly, look at the condition in which you're doing this stuff in. And ask yourself, am I really offering my best self to all this stuff? Am I really offering my best self to all this stuff? You know, I was meeting with a pastor the other day, one of our leaders, FBCM leaders, and uh, we were talking about the, their emotional condition. And I whipped out my app, because I got an app for that. And I whipped out my app, and I began talking to them about what I had been listening to that morning, uh, my devotion, emotion, emotion. And what I had been listening to that morning was a podcast called, Can We Truly Escape Our Childhoods? Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Now, why? Because this is the kind of stuff spiritual leaders need. Y'all notice most spiritual leaders are not taken under by something spiritual? Normally it's of emotional. Yes, yes. It's normally the enemy targets their emotion. The enemy starts drudging up things they never resolved in their soul and begin undermining them through the underdevelopment of their soul. So I said all that to say this, and I said to this particular leader, right? I said, every single day I have to think about how I'm thinking. Amen. And I have to ask myself, is this way of thinking healthy for me? Ask my, do you do that? Yeah. Ask my, do you think about how you're thinking? And do you ask yourself, is this way of thinking healthy for me? Y'all got that? Some things aren't prophecy. They're psychology. And really analyzing the, the trauma that's going on that's unresolved in the mind, in the regions of the soul that are undeveloped. Childhood issues that are showing up now as a yes, full-blown adult. Yes, you understand that? And now we got to resolve this. Why? Because we want to offer the very best version of ourselves to the work that God has called us to do. Y'all yes. got that? Say it with me. What I do is not the same as who I am. Y'all got that? Yes, sir. I will still be me if manifestation worldwide did not exist. Right. Hello, somebody. Yeah. All I would get is my time back. Yeah. A whole lot of time back. But I would still be me. Y'all yeah. got that? Why? Because my organization doesn't define me as a person. Right. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I take the time to assess what's going on inside of me. Y'all yes, got that? Yeah. Why? So I can be intentional about making sure that I offer the very best version of myself to the Lord and to my work. Y'all heard me say this before. Devotion, emotion, and motion. Devotion, emotion, and motion. That's how we start today. Devotion. Getting to God, getting to the word of God, getting in the presence of God, hearing God. Emotion. Something that helps me assess my emotional and psychological conditions. Yes. Third, motion. Got to get that workout in. Uh -huh. yes, Got to get that workout in. Yes. Why? Because we want to, I don't care how anointed you are, that spirit needs a body to finish the assignment. Isn't that right? Yes. Praise God.
So I want you to think about these things that we share today on this subject of pursuit. I really want you to think about what are you pursuing? Why are you pursuing it? And what will it mean when you actually get it? I mean, when you, when you sit back at the end of the day and you look at what you have done, what will it really mean to you that you have done that? Yeah. Amen? Amen? Because we want to make sure that not, not only have we glorified God with our lives. There are three things I've said to our church about living a truly meaningful life. Everything we do should be beneficial to others, uh -huh. fulfilling to us, and glorifying to God. Tell about all three of those. All three. Whatever you do should meet those three cri criteria. Yes. Beneficial to others, fulfilling to me, and glorifying to God. And when you're able to achieve that and make a life pattern out of that, you will know that you're living a life of meaning, value, and significance. Amen? Amen. My wife's going to come up. I asked her to come and lift up a prayer over your ministries and over your churches as we prepare for a new year. So I'm going to ask my wife to come back up and lift up that prayer over your various works for this upcoming year. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.